0: This morning we continue Kingdom Encounters and, and I'm going to ask you to turn to, to Matthew chapter 12. Um, we're, we're going to be right there in the middle around verse 22. Um, so as you're turning to Matthew chapter 12, it's no secret. Uh, the route of Bush is we love movies. <laughs> we love movies and we like comedies and, and action and adventure. Uh, and that... Kind of like with the music, that started way back when for me. My, my father and I used to love to go see all of the tough guy flicks. Uh, I guess my dad and I, we saw um, most of the Rambo sequels. Um, we just love all of all of that stuff, and you know, and that has rubbed off in my family. You know, Kim and I went to see this latest fast and furious spin-off Hobbs and Shaw, and um, it's kind of funny, that's how we go on a date we go see. Action, action flicks. but uh, And you know, in these, there's always a scene when a car or a helicopter is heading straight toward the main action star. You know, there's always something flying in and, and there's always someone diving for cover and someone is shouting, Incoming! Heads up! You know? And, and, and it, although the same level of action that we see in scripture uh, is not going to be as flammable <laughs> uh, unless you look at Sodom but but what happens you have the same kind of intensity in these stories and and you have, when you anytime you have a collision between the kingdom of darkness and the incoming kingdom of God there's going to be fireworks yeah and and it, it, you know, heads up, <laughs> we have incoming, and we, we will have that this morning. So Matthew chapter 12, um, Jesus has been teaching and he's been preaching and healing since the very end of chapter 11. And when, when verse 22 in chapter 12 starts, this demon-possessed man is, 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 who, who is blind and mute is brought to Jesus. And Jesus heals him. And what happens, the mute man speaks, and he sees. Imagine being there. When you see a situation, and you see a personality whom, you, if you don't know personally, you've probably heard of the individual and heard of the story, and, oh, what a terrible, tragic thing. The man can't speak, the man can't see. And then all of a sudden... His life has changed, and you are witness to it. We, when, if, we don't, if we don't take a step inside the text, it's easy to look at it as a story, but imagine witnessing that kind of encounter. Well, all the crowds, they're amazed, and, and they're saying, this man, speaking of Jesus, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? But the Pharisees, uh, as we've spoken for several weeks, those Pharisees, man, they are are just thorns in the the side, man. Critics, they say, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. Well, if you've been with us or you've been listening online, uh, you've heard a similar kingdom encounter in recent weeks from Matthew chapter 9. And and back in chapter 9... Jesus casts out a demon, which, which through its possession rendered a man mute and blind. So the same scenario. And the man, in chapter 9, now speaks and now sees, and the crowds, they're amazed there too. And they're saying, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. And that's what the crowds are saying. But those Pharisees, you know, they're, uh, uh, you know, they're saying, well, Jesus cast out demons by the ruler of demons. They're saying that Jesus is in league with Satan. Well, Jesus' response back in chapter 9 is this. He uses it as a teaching point. He, you know, he could have, like one of these action movies, he could have called down lightning and fire from the sky and he could have smitten them. That verb, smite, you know, that's just not a pretty word in itself, is it? Smite? Jesus could have done that, but, but Jesus didn't. What he did, he, he, he took this as a teaching point to both warn and encourage not just the disciples that were with him, but, but, but to us in 2019. And in, in, in later in the next chapter in Matthew 10, Jesus says this about that comparison to Satan. He says a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master, and it's enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. And if they called the head of the house, Jesus is referring to himself, if they've called him Beelzebul how much more will they malign the members of his household? You know, if they call me Beelzebul or Satan, they hate me. And, and guys, if they hate me, you need to expect the same and worse. And, and Jesus says that back in chapter 10, and we've kind of seen that pointed out. But, but it, it, he under, Jesus uses that in chapter 9 and 10 to, to underscore the reality of persecution for Disciples then and disciples now. And we've also talked of on Sunday morning the fact that, that somewhere this morning, somewhere in the world, some Christian will go to his or her death for the sake of the gospel. So persecution hasn't stopped. It did not stop. with a, When you close the Bible, persecution didn't end. And folks, if you watch the news, if you see the RSS feeds, if you're checking the Internet, you see that the persecution here in America is just getting ready to amp up. And, this is, and, and, and so this is why I'm telling you this. We need to know our, our word. We, amen. We need to know our Bible because there's going to be people that are going to tell you A or B or C without looking at the entire counsel of God. And as your pastor, I have the responsibility to... My goal is to equip you every week. So that's, that's why I'm here. And, 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 and this time, this, this morning, where Jesus takes a little different tone with this comparison, with this accusation, this is what Jesus says. He attacks this lack of logic in what the Pharisees are saying in their argument. Look at verse 25. It says, Jesus knowing their thoughts, he says, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan... He is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? It's, it's like the statement, biting the hand that feeds. The Pharisees make no sense. Their accusation makes no sense. You know, They're grasping at anything that they can say to discredit Jesus. And, and in 27, Jesus says, If I by Deelzebul cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. It's a statement of logic. If Jesus cast out demons with Beelzebul's power, how do the sons of the Pharisees cast out demons? Well, that's kind of a confusing statement. Sons of the Pharisees. Well, what's Jesus referring to? Well, I had, I had to dig and I had it Because that, that did not make sense to me. So, as I dug, during this time there are some who make attempts to cast out demons and, and we'll see this later when we get into the book of Acts and we see the church take its first steps. And in the book of Acts uh, chapter 19 actually, there are some Jews that are going around and they're driving out evil spirits and they're invoking the name of Jesus over these persons who are demon-possessed and, 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 and in, in the book of Acts, it says they would say in the, name of the, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul, the apostle, preaches, I command you to come out. So you've got people that are trying to cast out demons. And so Jesus is saying this, this is going on, and, and then he says for this reason they will be your judges. Jesus is saying, if you accuse me of being in league with Satan, you are accusing your Pharisee disciples as well. It's logic. People say all the time the Bible isn't logical. I think Jesus, (laughs) he's a logician. He gets to the heart of it. Jesus says this in 28, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. But if Jesus cast out demons by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, then this is more evidence that the kingdom of God has come. And and if you remember this idea of the kingdom of God, we saw in the Spirit and and God, we see this manifestation of the Trinity way back at the baptism of Jesus, way back in Matthew chapter 3. If you remember that story, what happens? Jesus rises from the water, and the heavens open, and the Holy Spirit of God descends in a form like a dove and descends upon the Son who is coming out of the water. And then the Father speaks His pleasure in the obedience of His beloved Son. The manifestation of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all present at what can be understood at this baptism of Jesus. It's really a coronation of the coming King. Amen. And this kingdom of heaven is no longer at hand as John the Baptist has been preaching. And John the Baptist has been preaching faithfully and fervently, but the kingdom of heaven is no longer at hand. The kingdom of heaven, of heaven is here. We have incoming. It's coming in. It's coming in. And Jesus has pointed out this lack of logic in the Pharisee's statement. Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If Jesus casts out demons with Beelzebul's power, how do the sons of the Pharisees cast out demons? And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, if you accuse me of being in league with Satan, you're accusing your Pharisee disciples as well. Remember the old thing we used to learn in grade school? You point a finger at me, you got three pointing back. You remember that. That's what Jesus is saying. If Jesus casts out demons by the Spirit of God then this is more evidence that the kingdom of God has come. And then, one of the most puzzling scriptures in the New Testament. Look at verse 29. How can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? What does that even mean? (laughs) What in the world does binding the strong man even mean? Well, I'll tell you and I'll tell you why it matters. The strong man, the one whom Jesus met way back in chapter 4 in the wilderness, that's Satan. And the strong man's house is the here and the now, the earthly realm. With the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, sin enters in. And creation, the entire of creation, God's great creation. God made it, and God made it all, and God made it all good. But when sin enters in, it shakes things up, and it messes things up. And all creation is tainted. The beauty of God's creation is tainted by sin. The strong man's property... Which Jesus alludes to? What what carry off his, the strong man's property? It's those over whom there is demonic dominion. I mean, do you remember what happened after this baptism of Jesus when Jesus and Satan meet in the wilderness? They there's three temptations by the devil, and there's three victories over these temptations due to Jesus speaking the word of His Father to the devil. You know, Jesus preached to the devil. And and Jesus was tried, and he was tested, and Jesus was proven. And in in Matthew 4, chapter 8, we see this final temptation in the wilderness. The devil takes Jesus, I'll I'll give you a synopsis. The devil takes Jesus to a very high mountain, and he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he says to Jesus, all these things I'll give you if you fall down and you worship me. And Jesus says to the devil, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. And by using Deuteronomy, Jesus quotes Scripture that his father spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai in the wilderness. Let me say that one more time. When Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, he's quoting the same Scriptures that God the Father spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai in the wilderness. That's powerful. That's not accidental. You know, Jesus in the wilderness speaks back to the evil one, the very words of warning that were spoken to the Israelites at Sinai. The very same words. Jesus, talk about incoming, Jesus has entered the strong man's house. And, and Jesus has been carrying off the strong man's property. I mean, look at what all we've seen that, who have been freed from demonic possession in our look at kingdom encounters these last several weeks. All those that have been set free from sin and set free from demonic possession. And this morning, how we began, I mean, in, in another way, I mean, that's how we began. This demon-possessed man there in verse 22, who's blind, who's mute, is brought to Jesus. Jesus heals him. The mute man speaks and sees, and all are amazed. In the wilderness, Jesus began the process of binding the strong man. And and we've just referenced that final temptation there in chapter 4 when the devil says to Jesus, all of those things I'll give you. He said all kingdoms, and he said all glory in all of these things all kingdoms, all glory, all these things that the devil dangles in front of Jesus, this is what we forget. Jesus already has all of these things waiting for him. Paul, in Colossians chapter 1, says this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Amen, absolutely. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in the Son and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And it's only by going to the cross that Jesus reconciles all kingdoms and all glory and all these things to Himself... Paul says this in in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Christ Jesus, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. Jesus empties himself. He he humbles himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And Philippians chapter 2 says this, For this reason also God highly exalted him. He highly exalted him and bestowed on Jesus the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Amen. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of Jesus' obedience to the Father, because He went to the cross, because He was resurrected. Jesus Christ is Lord and He's Lord over all thrones, He's Lord over all dominions, He's Lord over all rulers and authorities in the heavens, on earth and under the earth. And Jesus Christ is Lord and His incoming kingdom has defeated sin, defeated death and defeated hell. And and Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. Old oh, death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's been a battle between kingdoms since the beginning. What started way back in Genesis, after the fall of man, the sin of Adam and Eve, when God confronts them in, along with the serpent there in the garden... This is what God said to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Pointing to the time when Jesus dying on the cross would deliver this felling blow to the kingdom of darkness. And the battle which started in Genesis, it's going to end in the final book of the Bible. In the very beginning of Revelation chapter 20, we read where Satan will be bound. The strong man will be bound. And in verse 10 we read that the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen. What did Paul say? Thanks be to God Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ? We have an incoming situation. Jesus is still, he's still plundering the strong man's house. And that's good news. He's reclaiming lives and souls for the kingdom of God. So this morning, how do we respond to this? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how one group responded. In verse 23 this morning, we see this. All the crowds were amazed, and they're saying, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? Jesus is at the center of one kingdom encounter after another. <laughs> And the crowd is following right along. They've heard him teach. And they've heard him preach. And they've watched him heal. And now amongst themselves, they ask this question. This man cannot be the son of David, can he? This is extremely significant. Most in the crowd, because they're good little Jewish boys and girls, they know the law and the prophets. They've been to synagogue. And they know who David is. The very first time that Jesus is referred to as the son of David is in the first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, this is how it begins. The record, the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham. And in that genealogy in Matthew, in, verse, chapter, in chapter 1, verse 66, we read that, that Jesse was the father of David the king. You remember David. He's the youngest son of Jesse, and, and he killed Goliath, and he becomes king of Israel. And the story of David also includes the promise that he received from the Lord in, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is what God says to David. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. Amen. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David, the son of Jesse, would have a descendant spring from his family line. And this descendant springing from the family line is seen in Isaiah chapter 11. This, this picture, it says, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will, bear, will rest on him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of strength, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 23, we read this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Son of David, Savior of Judah, Israel's security... Righteous King, the Lord our righteousness. When the crowd asks about Jesus as the Son of David, that's a serious claim. That Jesus is all of those things. There's two blind men back in chapter 9. If you remember, they cry out to Jesus. What do they say? Have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus healed them because even though these men were blind, they could see Jesus for who he really is. You see, when the blind men are crying... What they're crying out is very similar to what the crowds will cry out on Palm Sunday announcing Jesus' incoming arrival on a donkey. Hosanna, Son of David, save us. The crowd there in verse 23 asks this question. This man cannot be the Son of David, can he? But... A few weeks later on that Palm Sunday, all those in that crowd will be caught up in the frenzy saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, son of David, savior of Judah, Israel's security, righteous king, the Lord our righteousness. How do you respond this morning? Whether you've been a believer in Jesus for a long time, or maybe you're still asking some questions. Jesus is always presenting an incoming situation into your life. He's always about a kingdom encounter. He was then and He is now. And, and, and the Spirit of God is always active, and He wants to draw you one more step closer to the things of Him. Whether you've been a believer for eight years or for 80... He's always about drawing you and me one step closer. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe you need peace with God. Maybe you've never confessed sin to him. Maybe you need forgiveness for guilt that you might feel. Maybe, maybe that's it. I mean, but you can hear you can talk to the Lord this morning. And and maybe like some in that crowd. That that ask that question about who Jesus was? Maybe maybe you're watching Jesus at work in the lives of others, but you're not sure that he can work in your situation. I think most of us can fall into that trap from time to time, can't we? Maybe we're just we see Jesus working, we see him healing sight and deafness and being mute. And we see all of these things, but do we believe that Jesus can work in our lives and our situations? This man cannot be the son of David, can he? Well, he is. And you can trust him to come into your life and to come into your situation as musicians come let's pray together father this morning we look at we look at we look at a text that seems so foreign and so confusing and we don't use words like strong man but father what we see in that most diff, one of those most difficult passages in scripture we see the very heart of the gospel who you are your heart for us and why you sent your son To come for us. Father thank you. For that incoming situation. That you have provided in our lives. Father as you broke through the darkness. Of sin and that kingdom of darkness way back then. Father you're still doing that in lives today. So Father this morning. Wherever any of your people are this morning in this room. Spiritually, emotionally. Where their hearts and where their minds are this morning. We pray that you would break in through your spirit and speak to them what they need to hear from you. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for a strong Savior. In your Son's strong name we pray and we worship.